This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Allen back to throw again. Throws one over the middle. It's tipped. And it's intercepted. CJ Mosley's got it. Runs right to the 10. And welcome back to another episode of the Cool Your Jets podcast. I'm your host, Ben Blessington, with Michael Nania. Finally, the day has come. The New York Jets have taken Mekhi Becton uh, in the 2020 NFL Draft. We are so excited that this is underway. Uh, plenty to break down here. Um, you can follow us at CYJPod on Twitter. You can find this podcast uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can also find it at JetsXFactor.com. But, Michael, I'll, I'll go to you first about Becton. Let's break him down. Then we'll talk a little bit about day two, previewing what's going to be happening uh, later tonight, but let's talk about Mackay Becton, the pick uh, from yesterday. Yeah, big ticket Becton. I'm excited. Um, I feel like definitely when we were on the clock that Tristan Wirfs was the, uh, that's what I was expecting and kind of preferring over Becton. I just felt like his athleticism and Becton obviously is athletic in his own right, but I felt like, I felt like Wirfs was more of the fit for them, both in terms of off the field and on the field. And again, Becton, in terms of mentality, too, does fit everything Joe Douglas wants. But uh, really the number one goal that we've been talking about for, uh, over the past few months has been fixing this offensive line and coming into the draft. You know, the question was, will one of those tackles be there at 11? And as the process went on, it kind of seemed less and less likely that was going to happen, that there's going to be this run on tackles, the teams are going to trade up to get them, maybe Tampa Bay, maybe Miami, or uh, the Chargers were going to take one. None of that happened, and... Watching it play out, it didn't start out well with the Giants taking Thomas uh, with that fourth pick uh, instead of Isaiah Simmons, but then it played out pretty much as expected. And then the Cardinals threw the curveball. They picked Isaiah Simmons. Uh, that's when I went crazy. That's when I knew we'd have uh, the Jets would be able to make their pick from at least two different tackles. Uh, and that's what happened. They were able to, they didn't get Jedrick Wills, which I was hoping for. It got all the way down to number 10, so close to that playing out. I was really pulling for that. The Browns crushed our dreams but they did still get to pick from wills and becton who or, or Werfs and becton who as we talked about in the last episode i did have as my third and fourth guys but still all four of these guys were elite prospects it was ranking them as tough other than wills at number one uh ranking the other three for me was tough they're all great prospects and uh, the jets got what they needed they got one of these tackles and uh, ranking them is just 
very difficult. And when all these guys are just so close in talent, it really comes down to scheme fit, comes down to character. And those are things that we in the outside just cannot evaluate properly. We don't have a knowledge of the scheme that they run, what they're looking for in terms of, you know, very specific nuances that fit their offense in terms of character and stuff. We've no idea about that from interviews or anything, but uh, they got one of the elite tackle prospects. That's what they needed. The board fell in a way. They did not have to trade up, even though there were uh, rumors going in uh, the last few hours before it started uh, that the Jets were a team that could look to trade up for tackle, but they didn't need to. It fell very favorably for them. And they had their pick between, you know, two of those top four guys. They decided to go with Becton. Uh, definitely a swing for the fences. And uh, as as we'll both talk about as this goes on, I don't think his right. floor is as low as a lot of people are talking about. He played really well for Louisville. It's not like he's a top prospect based on tools alone. He's a top prospect because he has those tools and he played really well and is already very polished for a guy as young as he is, just turned 21 uh, and as big as he is. So, uh, yes, his floor is lower than these other three guys, but I don't think it's as low as most people think he in the run game, he's as good as he was as good as any tackle in college football, just dominant at all three levels. Uh, so you can feel pretty confident about him bringing, uh, be, making an impact in the run game, which is very important for this team trying to capitalize on Le'Veon Bell got zero run blocking from anybody last season. Uh, so to have that is very important. The question is, can he develop his pass blocking in Louisville? They did protect him pretty well. A lot of play action, bootlegs, things like that to protect him. It's not a lot of experience in true pass sets, but uh, looked pretty good. And for the most part, was pretty solid. Not as dominant in the run game, but uh, he's got something to work off of. So uh, overall, they got one of those top four tackles. That was the goal coming in, and they accomplished it. Right, yeah, you said it. I mean, it's it's not like the Jets took, um, you know, the fifth or the sixth offensive tackle where it was a steep drop off. These four guys were so closely compact. Some people have Mackay Beckton as as their favorite tackle. I did have a slight feeling when it was on the board between him and Werfs. I, I thought it, I said it would be Werfs, but in the back of my head, I did know, you know, Joe Douglas as an offensive line type of guy. I knew that part of him was going to watch those Mackay Beckton uh, tape and just absolutely. Uh, fall in love with him. I mean, he does have the most exciting tape for any sort of offensive line prospect this year. Uh, as you said, I, I, I agree with you completely. His floor is not as low as a lot of people think it is. At the very least, you know you're going to get a really good run blocker, which is something the Jets need, given that Le'Veon Bell did absolutely nothing last year. So you know you're getting that, and then you, can ho- you hope to develop him as a pass protector for Sam Darnold. He's not just massive and strong, uh, but stiff. No, he's massive, strong, he's quick on his feet, uh, he's more nimble than you'd expect, and he actually has a, a quite uh, a high IQ uh, in, in terms of his football IQ. Uh, I think the the one concern with him would probably be technique and technique and pass protection, but that's something you can teach. You can't teach the measurables that that Becton has, and and like you said, you're not just drafting him based off those measurables. It's those measurables combined with his performance. I love this pick. Um, I ranked Becton in front of Werfs. Uh, I'm really excited about him. Obviously, his ceiling is is through the roof, uh, through the roof, through the roof. Um, <clears throat> uh, and yeah, I, I just feel like he definitely has the highest potential out of these top four tackles to be a generational talent uh, at left tackle. You know, you need to keep Sam Darnold upright. I think this is going to help. Uh, and as we were talking about, it, it was just so crucial for the Jets to get one of these top four tackles because you know I know some fans would be more excited about picking C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy or Henry Ruggs. But then you're kind of stuck with with Noah Fant and Chuma Doga at your tackles. Maybe you get a tackle in the second, but he's not going to be as good as Mackay Becton. 
uh, and you're really banking on Chuma Doga and George Fan, who both have to project well, and they both have to project into 2020. They're not known commodities. Neither is Be- Becton, but he's at least a, a, a much higher, uh, a much better prospect than a guy like New- Lucas Niang or Prince Tega Wanagu or, or somebody like that that they could have taken in the second round. Uh, so, as you said, yeah, when when the Cardinals took Simmons, that was big for the Jets. We knew we were they were going to get one of those tackles. I was with you. I was hoping it was going to be Wills. But I'm not mad at all. I mean, I think I had them all uh, right next to each other. And clearly the ceiling for Becton's exciting. I I like the fact that Joe Douglas took a swing. You know, I like the fact that he's known for his evaluation of offensive line and he believes in Becton. uh, And and hopefully this can be Sam Darnold's blindside protector for the next 10 years. So looking forward to today, Michael, uh, and we will come back to Becton a little bit. But looking forward to today, it's an interesting one. As I said, I was probably most nervous for yesterday and most excited for today. I think this is really where Joe Douglas can turn around this team. Three picks today, two in round three, one in round two, uh, and obviously they're going to be targeting receivers, potentially another interior offensive line, uh, offensive lineman, potentially an edge, maybe a corner. But those receivers is where we should start because I think that's where they should go in the second round. Let's talk about some of the guys who are still available. Who intrigues you the most that's still on the board tonight? Yeah, there are a few different guys that make sense, and, uh, actually, as we record this, the Vikings are on the clock, so they could take one of these guys uh, as I'm talking about them right now. Uh, but Michael Pittman is still on the board, T. Higgins, Denzel Mims. Uh, so there are a few different names that make sense, and I think that's definitely their, both their top target realistically and our preferred target as a fan base. I think that's definitely where we're hoping to see them go because these are their top two <clears throat> needs. They did what they needed to do in the first round and address the more important of those two needs, with offensive tackle. So now in the second round is where uh, the, this is where the depth of this wide receiver class really kicks in. We've already seen some of the best names go off the board. See, and you know, a couple of them, CD lamb and Jerry Judy kind of slipped a little bit farther than you expected. So, uh, and definitely, I think that, you know, receivers where they're looking and this is where uh, at this point, this is where the depth really matters because those top names went off the board, but now you could see, you know, a, a lesser drop off in talent at receiver than some of these other positions. And I think uh, that's what makes this particular receiver class so special. The fact that uh, here in the late first top of the second round, hopefully for the jets, uh, you can get receiver talent that is similar to some of the late first round picks uh, that we've seen. So Pittman is still out there. T Higgins, uh, Denzel Mims is still out there. There are a few decent or not decent, very good names for them to target here in the top of the second round. Yeah, really quickly, before I touch on the receivers, just because I don't I don't want to forget this, I was scrolling through Twitter and I, and I saw Manish Mehta tweeted out, and this is really impressive, and it does go to to what Joe Douglas has done in free agency when he's looking at at offensive linemen, but uh, 33 career starts to tackle for Mekhi Becton, zero holding penalties, uh, which, you know, does maybe speak to that, that he has better technique than, uh, than initially perceived. But, yeah, talking about the receivers, uh, yeah, certainly Pittman is the, is the most intriguing from the sense that he has the familiarity with Darnold. Uh, a lot of scouts uh, have fallen in love with Pittman and project him to be even better in the pros uh, than he was in, in college. A high-character guy, a guy who worked his way up at, at USC. Uh, but, Michael, who do you think is the best fit in Adam Gase's offense? Because uh, we've talked about it, how Brashad Perriman's going to play that X role. He's going to replace Robbie Anderson as the vertical threat. He can go up and get some jump balls, but he's, he's not really a, a red zone jump ball. He's more of a, a deep threat, brings the speed. Uh, brings the vertical speed, but they still need that Z receiver, that guy who can get those intermediate balls over the middle and take them, uh, you know, get some uh, significant uh, rack uh, yardage, yards after catch. 
so who do you think fits that mold the best? Do you think a guy like Pittman, even though he maybe he's not that, that exact mold, could still work in an Adam Gase offense alongside Perriman and Crowder? Or do you think maybe, you know, given the Jets' new grading system, that they're going to be drafting guys based off off uh, their scheme more so than, than previous years? Do you think maybe they'll target maybe a guy like Chenault or, or maybe Hamler, even though he's more of a slot? Just who do you think out of these guys that are available uh, for, I guess, we you spoiled it, but I, I've been saying tonight, like we're recording this in the morning, but yes, it is it is still round one, but we'll, we'll, we'll pretend like it's it's the morning of, since that's when people will be listening to it. Uh, but who out of the guys that are, uh, that are still available uh, would be the best fit? I think Chennault is the guy that makes sense. Um, you know, he's not had the best pre-draft process, and that's why he's slipped a little bit. But uh, I think, like you said, they're trying to look for a guy who has who specializes as a route runner, can win over the middle and the short to intermediate range, because that's where they're really lacking. They have Crowder, who really thrives in those areas out of the slot. They have Perriman, who can win jump balls down the field and is more of a vertical threat, but doesn't really have a complete game. Uh, so I think that's what they're looking for, a guy who can... Uh, you know, make things happen after the catch because that's something they really lack. They do not have a lot of yak ability. Didn't have it last year, still don't have it. Uh, so that's something I think that you can get with Chanel if he checks out in terms of all things he struggled with so far, injuries, combine, things like that. Uh, so I think he makes sense the most in terms of their needs. But at the same time, I think there are better players who might be a little bit closer to what Perriman offers in terms of, you know, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, bigger targets who again, kind of have similar skill sets to what he offers. But at the same time, you just want uh, to get some talent on your offense and then figure out the scheme according to that because this is a team that just you know needs talent right now on the outside. Rashad Perriman being your best outside receiver. Uh, he finished the season really strong, but this is a guy who uh, before last month has you know really did not produce much, if anything, uh, over his first about four and a half seasons in the league. So... Uh, Perriman being your best outside receiver is not ideal, even though they are set up well at the other position, slot, tight end, running back in terms of pass catching ability. But uh, I think Pittman and Higgins may not be the best uh, fit for their needs, but those two guys are real. I think those guys would be great values uh, at the Jets number 48 slot. They are bigger bodied guys, but still you could use as much talent as you can get regardless of the skill set. But in terms of what they need out of a receiver, I think Chanel really fits what they need with his ability to create after the catch and just be more of a compliment to uh, what Perriman offers. Yeah, I definitely agree with that on, on Chenault. He, yeah, he is more of a question mark than maybe Higgins or Pittman. And as you said, look, the Jets just need to acquire talent, especially on the outside. Uh, so if, if you're looking at the board and you're looking at Higgins or Pittman, you know, remember the Jets have the 15th pick in this round. So some of these guys might be gone. You might not have the pick of the litter, I don't think you hesitate to take a guy like T. Higgins or Michael Pittman because you're kind of worried about how they'll play. You can figure it out. Um, you know, the Jets are making do with Demarius Thomas as their Z receiver last year. You know, I think Michael Pittman is, has shown in, in college that he's very good at, at finding the soft spot in the zone. He's good at getting open. And he can contribute some rack yardage. He may not be, uh, you know, a guy like uh, uh, Jalen Ragor who, who went uh, to the Eagles in round one or, or uh, Henry Ruggs or somebody like that who's explosive and dynamic and get a ton of rack yardage, C.D. Lamb, another one. But he's at least a guy that you know you're bringing in talent on the outside. Uh, and especially with Pittman, guy who's familiarity. Uh, looking forward to round three, two picks there. Uh, that's a very intriguing round with the Jets because they're two high picks, you know, really early in the third round, and they're only, I believe, 11 uh, picks apart. Um, so back-to-back picks in, in a sense. Where do you think Joe Douglas, let's just assume Joe Douglas goes receiver in round two. Let's say he takes Michael Pittman or Chenault or Higgins or or whatnot. 
where do you think Joe Douglas could and should go in round three with those two picks? Yeah, this is where they could really start opening it up uh, to the rest of their needs. And we'll see if they do in round two, because I don't think it should be ruled out that they either double dip on offensive line, because it really depends on how uh, these top receivers or at least the top ones left on the board go uh, with these last two picks. Uh, well, there's only one pick left in the first round now. Glad he just went to the Vikings. I don't think the Chiefs will take receiver. So at the top of the second round, how these receivers go, if those guys aren't on the board, then I really think that you could see them consider edge or interior offensive line in the second. But going on to the third round, if they do take receiver, as you laid out to me in this hypothetical scenario, if they do do that, uh, I think that's when you'll start to see them look at cornerback and edge rusher. Those are Two huge needs for them, and obviously it's more important to fix the offense, help out Sam Darnold, but uh, they do need a lot of help at cornerback, and particularly edge, I think, more so than cornerback. And there's really a lot of interesting uh, edge rushers in that round three, round four range, guys who were really productive in college, put up sacks, put up great pressure numbers, but didn't necessarily do it in ways that project very well to the NFL. That's why they're down there in that range and not up here in the first round. Uh, because I think a lot of guys were, you know, picking up hustle pressures, just, you know, having really good motors, producing well against the run, but not really projecting those elite pass rushing traits. But at the same time, they're really productive uh, and the Jets can use any sort of productivity they can get uh, out of their edge rushers. So they can definitely look at edge there. Cornerback Cameron Dantzler is a guy who we've talked about pretty much every single mock draft we've done. Uh, <laughs> we'll see if he's how far uh, how far down the board he falls and if the Jets can get him. He definitely makes his length is perfect for uh, with the Jets, both what they ran at the end of last season and uh, the press coverage that Greg Williams typically likes to run. He has the length to really thrive, uh, which with whatever Greg Williams wants to do. So cornerback and edge in round three, I think, are definitely where they're going to begin to look. But at the same time, they really need to build uh, a pipeline of talent on the interior off- offensive line. It's going to be interesting to see where they do that. Will they go, you know, double dip in round two and take uh, one of the best interior alignment there because there was a drop off after that first wave of interior guys. So will they do that or will they go in the third round and get a guy like Robert Hunt or Natane Muti? So uh, there are some decent options, but uh, cornerback and edge, I think, is what you're going to see in the third round. But the big wild card is that interior offensive line. When are they going to decide to add to that? Yeah, and given Douglas's draft predict pedigree and, and what he's come to New York based off, uh, you know, an offensive line guru and a guy who, you know, found Marshall Yonda on day three and has really made his bones in the NFL as a guy who can scout offensive line talent. It would beg you. It does beg the question that maybe on day two, the Jets should stay away from offensive line because on day three, this is where Douglas can really shine uh, finding guys, you know, in round five, around six, around four. Uh, who who can be uh, future studs. And like you said, like you've talked about a few podcasts ago, building that pipeline uh, is just something the Jets have never really had in any position, uh, but that all the best teams do. They have pipelines of, of young talent coming in, replacing veterans, getting comp picks, uh, not just, you know, coming in and having to play immediately. Guys who can come in, sit, you know, play sparingly, uh, as depth and then then can fill in as starters. So I, I agree with you that I do think Joe Douglas will definitely address interior offensive line at some point. I could see him getting tempted and taking one in day two. I think he should try to get a receiver in round two. Uh, and then when you're looking at round three, 
I agree with you on, on the corner edge. If you go, if you do go defense, I, I prefer that you only use one of those picks, one of those round three picks on defense, because I think that offense just needs a lot of help. If, even if you're going into your offensive line or receiver, uh, I would not be mad if, if Douglas just focuses on uh, on the offense or even double dips at receiver uh, in round two and round three. I think that's a, that's a very real possibility as well. Um, the other thing, and I laid it out to you in a hypothetical that the Jets take a receiver in round two, but let's say Chenault is gone, let's say Higgins is gone, let's say Pittman's gone, Mims is gone, all those guys are gone. Uh, how likely do you think Joe Douglas could trade down from that pick 48, try to accumulate more picks in the third round? Uh, is that something that that, that uh, strikes you as, as a likely scenario given Joe Douglas's, uh pedigree and, and where he's come from? I think it definitely makes sense, especially with this Jets roster that is definitely one of the weaker ones in the league in terms of depth. Uh, obviously, they've pretty good top-end talent, but it's a depth where the Jets are really weak, and that's a product of Mike McCagnan being the worst post-round one drafter in the league over his five years with the team. So uh, they do have a lot of holes to fill, and any extra picks you can get are obviously welcome. They do have the extra third-rounder, which is great, uh, but anything else you can get really helps when you need to uh, replenish your roster and really add depth. So uh, if they can move down, catch a desperate team and move down a few picks, you know, maybe add uh, another fourth round or fifth round or something along those lines, I think it's good. But what I think I don't want to see the Jets do and really isn't wise for any team to do is kind of what McCagnan did a couple years ago, and that's just this rampant trading down, socking up on these day three picks that really have very little value. So I think you want those second and third round picks. There's uh, those are just a huge step up from the third day. I think that it definitely makes sense for the Jets to, for the most part, try and stick where they are. But if they can get a really good value, it makes sense. But uh, I think whenever a team kind of goes into this mode where they're just moving down and down the board, stockpiling these you know, fifth, sixth round picks, those picks just really do not have a lot of value. They're extremely unproductive, and there's the hit rate on those are very, very low compared to the rest of the draft. So I think right. it doesn't make sense to like if you're stocking up on those picks in day three uh, you're really not adding much and you're just kind of taking yourself down in the the rounds where there's actually pretty good drop off from pick to pick so uh, if they can get you know add maybe a fourth rounder or a you know low third rounder in a deal uh, if they move down the second round or something like that makes sense but at the same time I think that uh, these picks could really help them fill holes uh, that they need to fill right now, such as wide receiver and interior offensive line. On the flip side of that, could you see Douglas trading up if if some of these receivers start to fall? Do you think, uh, does he strike you as a guy who could move up and, and strike to try to go get a guy like Pittman or Mims or, or Chanel? Yeah, that's where it'll be interesting. And if that does happen, it'll probably be in the very early stages uh, of, you know, I'm saying tonight, it's not actually this day. Actually, it is now. It's 12.09 as I say this. So in tonight's draft, <laughs> Uh, well, 12.09 my time, but in tonight's draft, uh, it would probably be early uh, because, you know, those are the top guys, Pittman, Chennault, Mims, Higgins. There are a few good names out there. Uh, so it would probably happen early on tonight, but I really don't think he would. I think that for the most part, he's kind of, I think that what's good about Douglas is that he's kind of given off this vibe that he's going to be balanced because that's what you want to be. You don't want to be you know, too attached to your draft picks. You don't want to be too aggressive. You just want to be able to, you know, be whatever you need to be. Uh, take, do whatever is smartest. Sometimes being aggressive is smart. Sometimes being conservative is smart. Sometimes it's a mix of both. And I think that's the, what Douglas has kind of shown us. 
that he is. So I think it will definitely be on the table. But I think that they're going to stay put and there's enough talent to where they'll feel comfortable about, even if it's not wide receiver, uh, to get an alignment too. But they really need help at receiver. And to get a starter here in round right. two would be helpful because, again, right now you're starting re- receivers outside are Brashad Perriman and probably Vincent Smith, Josh Doxson competing in there. It's definitely yeah. not yeah, ideal. Yeah, they got to so. add two. And, right. and I think potentially you had two tonight. I think you go one in round two and you go one in round three. Regardless, I think Douglas knows what he has to do. I think Jets fans should feel good as long as these picks are at receiver, interior offensive line, edge or corner. Maybe not as much the latter two since the Jets have a a solid defense already. But look, they don't have much cornerback depth. Maybe they sign a guy like Logan Ryan in free agency and they haven't been able to get to the passer. So maybe they draft an edge. But I think the focus should definitely be on offense, uh, specifically that receiver spot. Uh, it'll be exciting. Looking forward to it. Uh, potentially guys that were floated out about uh, uh, trades, uh, but I think that might be more of a day three discussion. Henry Anderson, Navy Williamson, keep an eye on them. Uh, but I, I imagine that would be something on day three if Douglas moves uh, either of those. Um, but that'll do it for us. Michael, last thing really quickly, and these grades are so stupid because we don't really know anything yet. We haven't seen them on the field. But purely from a value standpoint, how would you grade uh, Joe Douglas's first round pick of Makai Becton. Yeah, I, I'd go with an A. I think they did what was smart. They stayed put. They took their greatest position of need. Uh, the board fell in a way to where they got the pick of exactly what they wanted. They got to pick between uh, two of the elite offensive tackles, their greatest position of need. Uh, they didn't fool around and you know try and trade up. They didn't uh, go towards the shiny object at wide receiver. They attack their biggest need first, and that's what they need to do. And uh, from our perspective, you know, we can pick and choose about who we like the most, but uh, it's up to the teams to go with uh, their best fit according to all the scouting work that they've done extensively for countless months. So I give them an A. Yeah, I agree with that as well. I think we said at the Jets just need to get a tackle at 11. You know, uh, by any means necessary, they need to make sure they get one of those top four tackles. Turns out the wins against Buffalo and and Pittsburgh didn't really matter as much. They still had their choice. I do like, I will say, I do like that he had the choice and he chose Becton more so than if the three were gone and he he just deferred to Becton. I think that gives me a lot more confidence in in Joe Douglas's evaluation of of Makai Becton uh, because I think it's likely that he was was at least the number two tackle uh, on their big board, uh, but maybe the number one tackle. So it it gives me some hope that he actually had him above Tristan Wirfs, who I thought maybe could be the number one tackle on their board. Um, at least shows what Joe Douglas thinks uh, about the offensive tackles and what he thinks about Mekhi Becton. And Joe Douglas certainly knows a hell of a lot more than I do about offensive linemen. So I'm intrigued. Uh, I'm encouraged. Uh, so far, an A for Joe Douglas and, and for day one, just from a value standpoint and a, and a need standpoint. Let's hope they address the receivers, maybe another offensive lineman. Maybe they look to defense in the edge in the corners, but uh, definitely receivers is going to be the story for tonight. Uh, we'll be having an, another episode uh, tomorrow morning, recapping what happens tonight and previewing day three, um, as well as another one coming out on Sunday morning, recapping the whole draft, specifically day three. Uh, so again, you can follow us at CYJ Pod on Twitter. You can follow myself at Ben W. Blessington. You can follow Michael at Michael underscore Nania. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, wherever. You can also find it on JetsXFactor.com, the best place to go for Jets content. Uh, really, really elite stuff going on there. So just make sure you check it out, even if you don't want to subscribe to a, a sports platform or whatnot. Just make sure you check it out because a lot of hard work has gone into that site, and it's it's really impressive. It's it's still young, I guess, but um, some, some great work has been done uh, thus far. So that'll do it for us. Uh, again, thank you for listening. Everybody stay safe, stay healthy, stay indoors, and let's hope Joe Douglas knocks it out of the park.
Throws one over the middle. It's tipped, and it's intercepted!